in science or in research, yes, it's very helpful to dissect uh, things, our experience into parts. But um, when you discuss Ikigai, it's not just a one psychological concept. It's more about uh, experiential uh, sense uh, that needs to be considered when you uh, discuss Ikigai. This is Nick Kemp with the Ikigai podcast. Japanese wisdom for a fulfilling and meaningful life. Find your Ikigai at ikigaitribe.com. This is Nick Kemp with the Ikigai podcast, episode 28. And my guest today is Dr. Yasuhiro Kotira, the academic lead at the University of Derby. Yasu, your teaching primarily focuses on mental health with interests in self-compassion, intrinsic motivation, and cross-cultural psychology. And you use both quantitative and qualitative uh, methods uh, to explore these interests. And you are currently working on intervention studies and cross-cultural studies to see the effects of these variables on mental health, things like self-compassion and intervention for bereaved family members of cancer patients. So that's that's quite a lot there. So first of all, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Nick, for having me. And then thank you for yeah, uh, my introduction. Thank you. My pleasure. And I should mention, and this is amazing, you are a father <laughs> of four and you have triplets who are now two years old. Yes, yes, yeah, triplets. Yeah, so yeah, we intended to have a family of four. But uh, your yeah, second birth <laughs> ended up triplets. And uh, looking at stats of UK babies born uh, uh, two years ago, uh, the rate of triplets is uh, 0.02% of all the babies born. Yeah, I mean, twins is, you know, normally around 5% to 3% of uh, birth, but triplets, it reduces significantly to 0.02%. So yeah, <laughs> I was shocked and frozen when I first heard we were having triplets. <laughs> It's like you've won the pregnancy lottery. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, felt, felt like it, felt like it, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I froze, yeah, that was kind of uh, last day before Christmas uh, of, you know, uh, academic uh, calendar. Uh, and um, yeah, I told about this to all colleagues I met that day in the office, like, <laughs> I'm having to this, I'm having to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I need to triple my income. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, my my side and also my uh, wife's side family, we have no, you know, even twins. I mean, I have twin, uh, you know, uh, family members, but very far, very far from, uh, yeah, uh, my parents. Uh, so it was yeah, total shock to us. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is now you you've decided to research triplets and also autism. So would you like to talk about that? Thank you. Yes, of course. Yeah, so uh, triplets, uh, yeah, that we uh, finished uh, studying and then the, the paper is now under review. But we, we explored, yeah, prenatal and postnatal experience of parents uh, of triplets. And um, because uh, if you look at existing papers, they are mainly about, uh, you know, uh, physical risks or, uh, you know, kind of, you know, like uh, if you have triplets, uh, you know, babies have, you know, way higher risk of having this, having that kind of thing. So I felt scared uh, for better born looking at those literature. And, uh, and uh, I also noticed that, you know, uh, the subjective experience of parents uh, was missing. So this paper offers 
you know, what they went through you know, emotionally. Uh, for example, you know, like they felt isolated. Uh, they felt uh, very thankful for tiny support uh, as they have to, uh, you know, uh, take care of three, those kind of um, uh, things. Uh, so that's the trick that they buy. And then why autism? Uh, it's because, uh, so we have one neurotypical girl and two identical boys who are autistic. So, yeah, the rate of autism is about 1%. Okay. And then we found out they are, uh, uh, yeah, very, very low. Yeah, uh, we found out that they are autistic uh, when they're about one year old, which is very early. But um, at that point already that uh, many um, symptoms uh, items are applied to them. So uh, over the phone, we had about two hour conversation with pediatrician that uh, yeah, she, she was because it's COVID, we couldn't bring them right away. Uh, yeah, but uh, over the phone, she said it's probably uh, they, they are autistic. And then two weeks later, uh, we went to hospital and then she confirmed uh, they are uh, autistic. So, yeah, uh, they also uh, uh, physically delayed, uh, developmentally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, two-year-old girl, uh, Momiji. Yeah, her name is Momiji. Uh, Momiji. Uh, autumn leaves in Japanese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Momiji is already, yeah, walking and, you know, saying things. Uh, but two boys, yeah. Uh, one of them, Emory, uh, can stand for, like, 20 seconds. Uh, but the Valentine uh, still sits, uh, can't stand yet. So, yeah, uh, they are, they are uh, very different. But that gave me a uh, chance to... Uh, you know, learn more about uh, autism and um, those, you know, uh, disabilities. Um, I I haven't investigated much before. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I've already written uh, one paper about uh, autism uh, informing. Um, yeah, this is about the yeah, parents' experience, uh, coping, stress coping, those kind of things. But um, yeah, that, that definitely broadened uh, my my uh, knowledge world uh, and also experiential world. Yeah. As well, yeah. <laughs> So that that seems like a very like a helpful way for you to approach it and deal with the stress. Obviously, understanding it more. I also imagine maybe your your parents in Japan. I imagine they're in Japan. Have have they seen your triplets or? No, no, they haven't. Uh, yes, uh, only my mother uh, before pandemic. Uh, she was here uh, and helping, uh, you know, taking care of them, and she got the ticket to come here. That was uh, 20, uh, 20, 20 March. But in the UK, uh, you know, the lockdown started uh, February, no, yeah, February-ish of 2020. So, yeah, she couldn't uh, come. So, yeah, she hasn't met, uh, you know, triplets. Um, that's very uh, strange uh, time. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard, yeah. I'm sure she would love, I'm sure your parents would love to be here and, and that would help, I imagine, your... You would be both very busy with four children. So I, I, I greatly appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, yeah. And then my wife's side, uh, she's Dutch. So yeah, especially uh, her mother, my mother-in-law, uh, you know, is very happy that because uh, previously we are in Japan and we are in San Francisco and now we are here. So it's very close, you know, just one hour flight uh, to come to UK from, you know, Amsterdam airport. Uh, so she is eager to come. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, she uh, haven't been able to yet. But as 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 soon as you know that uh, flight is back, probably should come soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully that will be soon. So. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> you're juggling a lot, and we also have COVID. So I, I may, I'm amazed at your um, proactive and positive uh, nature. So I, I think this conversation will be really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
So let, let's begin. Um, as someone who was born and grew up in Japan and understands the nuances of Ikigai, what is it like to research the concept? Because I imagine for you growing up, Ikigai was just a, a regular word. And now you're researching it. And there is this great interest from, from the West as well. So what, what is it like researching it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah, first, when I saw you know, Ikigai in the Western uh, literature, like English uh, written literature, yeah, I, I felt uh, happy uh, to see Japanese word in, you know, uh, you know, being talked about in the Western literature because, uh, you know, uh, living in the Western side of the world for uh, how many years? Like uh, yeah, uh, 10, 11 years now. Uh, and then that, uh, you know, the Japanese words I, I hear regularly are like sushi or emoji or <laughs> judo, <laughs> karaoke, those kind of things, uh, samurai kind of thing. And then now ikigai is also, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, started to be on the same table. Uh, so yeah, I, I was very happy to yeah see the word. And also, you know, it wasn't surprising at all to see that, you know, ikigai being talked about in the health literature or, mm. you know, a mental health uh, literature uh, because yeah, Ikigai is such an um, uh, important uh, concept and then, you know, often talked about uh, and then, you know, this, especially this word guy, you know, uh, you know, meaning, value, word uh, is uh, often, you know, applied to different contexts uh, as well, like not only Ikigai, you know, Hataraki guy, uh, you know, work, you know, uh, or Yari guy is like your action uh, worth or, you know, uh, Oshie guy, like, you know, educate, worth of education. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I have a couple of, um, yeah, um, Ari career researchers that uh, I feel Oshie guy for. Like, I teach one and they do three. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, really? Uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, this this uh, concept of Ikigai is, is um, yeah, um, unsurprising. Uh, and then I'm, I'm glad that because um, I, I'm sure that the findings uh, from this concept can offer, yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, you, you're right. It is. It's very interesting because for you, it is just a normal word, but at the same time, it almost represents a psychology or mm. perhaps even a, a philosophy, mm. a way of thinking, a way of living. But yeah, those examples you gave, Hataraki guy, um, Oshie guy, um, I think there's Asobi guy it gives this context that, oh, yeah, it's still just a regular word, which in most cultures, or especially, I think, English-speaking cultures, we just don't have that kind of um, jargon, I guess, where it encapsulates something quite deep and broad in meaning. So when you saw the westernized interpretation of Ikigai, the four-circle Venn diagram, that has Ikigai as the centre sweet spot of doing something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs and that you can be paid for. Do you, do you remember when you saw it and what was your first thought? I thought that's very um, uh, interesting and also something that um, people in the West are often good at. <laughs> Those kind of diagrams <laughs> and beautiful, beautiful yeah, presentations. Uh, wow, yeah, this is uh, really westernized uh, kind of things. It can help somewhat to, you know, cross the bridge of different cultures and the background. Uh, so that's um, helpful. But uh, at the same time, uh, when I do research, I'm also mindful of uh, the essence of Ikigai uh, because, for example, you know, that uh, what, what the science 
science is about dissecting. You know, the word origin of science is dissecting. And um, uh, that's what science does. Uh, you know, like um, you, you um, categorize uh, a whole into parts and identify key parts of symptoms. And then, you know, if you improve that one part, uh, that uh, whole can improve uh, significantly. That's kind of, you know, gist of uh, science. But uh, Ikigai is uh, more toward, you know, Eastern, I mean, East, Ikigai is an Eastern uh, concept where that whole is uh, very uh, important. And, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Kamiya, who is one of the pioneers of Ikigai, uh, said that, you know, Ikigai cannot be um, uh, explained uh, without experience. It's, um, you know, experiential concept that um, in science or in research, yes, it's very helpful to dissect uh, things, our experience into parts. But um, when you discuss Ikigai, it's not just a one psychological concept it's more about uh, experiential uh, sense uh, that needs to be considered when you uh, discuss ikigai so yeah that's something that uh, I'm, I'm very mindful of when i uh, do research into uh, ikigai yeah your, your paper gave me a lot of clarity on that aspect that it it is something experiential and mm. if we're trying to think about it logically or, or see it as a, um, a philosophy we probably won't be able to understand it fully. And so uh, I guess you're right. In the West, we do like to, I think in the West, we like to define things. We like to get clarity. And, and by nature, many Japanese words and concepts are mm. ambiguous or vague. And what's interesting, Japanese are very comfortable with that. They're comfortable with mm. ambiguity and, um, and vagueness. Where in the West, we, we try to define things. So I'm often telling the people I, I share my knowledge of Ikigai to let go of definitions and begin with a beginner mind, you know, and that way um, you'll, you'll probably get to understand it. There's a few other myths around or a few other myths or misconceptions around Ikigai. One is that it's a word from Okinawa and it's sort of the secret to longevity, yeah, no, no, uh, Ikigai, Ikigai isn't a uh, word from uh, Okinawa, the origin of Ikigai. Uh, one theory, probably the most uh, commonly uh, supported one, is that the Dr. Kamiya, psychiatrist, uh, was working on yeah, uh, the patients with deadly disease uh, in Japan. And then, um, yeah, she, she saw that uh, those who uh, thrive uh, after, you know, diagnosis of this disease, you know, some people lived very well. Uh, you know, learning new things and then live a happy life and others uh, who didn't. And then she was thinking about, you know, this uh, this experiential sense, you know, what is it that makes this difference? Uh, and then those, you know, who did find this sense uh, lived well. And then she named this sense as uh, Ikigai, this experiential uh, sense, uh, and, and named it Ikigai. Uh, and she thought about different languages, but I think she um, thought this uh, Japanese word Ikigai can uh, label this uh, sense uh, most accurately. Uh, so that's yeah where uh, it's uh, coming from. She she came up with Ikigai Khan, yeah. yeah, to express that Ikigai awareness or Ikigai feeling or Ikigai perception? I think so. I mean, um, from that, uh, you know, we discuss, uh, and she, she started to discuss more about Ikigai. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can imagine that Ikigai Khan, yeah, this, this uh, feeling Khan, uh also yeah uh comes from her uh yeah 
let's touch on something called the Ikigai Nine. And in episode or on episode 12, I interviewed your friend and work colleague, Dr. Dean Fido, on the Ikigai Nine. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a psychometric tool used to measure Ikigai, I guess someone's Ikigai level. And you helped Dean with the, the translation into English. How difficult was that uh, to translate? And I'll, I'll just tell my listeners, yeah, go to episode 12 and you'll be able to see the, the nine statements. But, yeah, how was that for you to translate the Ikigai Nine? Uh, yeah, it's um, very interesting uh, experience. And, um, you know, that uh, definitely is not that the direct translation, uh, you know, that uh, Google uh, Translator can do. Uh, it's very <laughs> different. <Well, laughs> yeah, yeah. So those Japanese words, yeah, have like very uh, rich background. Some words are very metaphorical, like uh, space in my life. Mm. Okay, what's space in my life? Uh, you know, if you, you know, probably put in Google, it, it's going to say uh, space in my life. Um, so yeah, uh, we need to translate. And then, so I've read the uh, you know original uh, paper and where it's coming from. And um, yet, it's not just simply uh, space in their life. You know, as as probably you, you talked about earlier, that about you know, for example, ibasho of that person uh, can include you know the where that they feel they belong to, they feel fit. Uh, so yeah, just that uh, yeah, one word. But as you said, that ambiguity is included and um the ambiguity probably uh can be understood by many japanese people because that uh, they probably share uh, that kind of uh linguistical or cultural background but when it's translating into uh you know uh, different readers i think the support uh, was needed mm. Hey there, Nick Kemp here, and I wanted to touch base and let you know about my new course, The Fine Juru Ikigai Course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, The Fine Juru Ikigai Course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. If you are interested in learning more about The Fine Juru Ikigai Course, please visit ikigaitribe.com. Now back to the episode. Yeah, well, that, that word you're referring to, um, yutori, that's become a new word I'm, I'm researching, and that seems almost just as deep and <laughs> philosophical as ikigai. It's another one of these amazing words that has, I guess, if you're trying to translate it, yeah, you'd say it's room or space in my mind. But I've learned it's applied to many aspects of your life, your, your, your mental state, uh, physical yeah. space, financial space, um, mm, mm. space in your relationships. <laughs> so yeah. It's like a very long rabbit hole. Every time I learn one word, I discover another. So that leads us to your book. And this is an upcoming book, and it's it's been a project that you, Dean, and, and many other authors have been working on. And I was actually honoured to be asked to write the forward of the book. And it's obviously related to Ikigai. And so what's, is there a working title? Is there a title for the book? Yes, it's um, uh, Ikigai uh, Towards a Psychological Understanding of a Life Worth Living. Uh, that's the title of uh, this book. And how many authors are contributing? Uh, there are quite uh, many. Uh, let me see, three, four, 
11, 11 authors, <laughs> 11 authors. Okay. Okay. This is quite funny because all of them are academics, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel very uh, privileged to be a part of it. So, oh, no, no, no. Your contribution was very, uh, very valuable. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, um, that the topics, you know, include not only a mental health or health perspectives, but also, uh, like, you know, um, uh, Dean's chapter is about, you know, a forensic. Uh, field and in some chapters you know talk about art education leadership so yeah it's very um inclusive of uh, yeah, uh, broad topics i'm really looking forward to it and your contribution to the book is the chapter titled health benefits of ikigai a review of literature is that correct yes 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 that's that's yeah our chapter yeah and in that chapter, you, you define Ikigai, you explore the health benefits of Ikigai regarding its impact on both physical health and mental health, and you also discuss how to enhance Ikigai, and you touch on future research and look at scientific findings. Now, you just mentioned before this amazing woman, um, Dr. Miyako Kamiya, or Kamiya Miyako, and, yeah, she was this amazing woman and a pioneer. I, I like to think of her as the mother of Ikigai. Yeah. Mm. When we talk about positive psychology or psychology or philosophy, there are plenty of fathers. But um, yeah, I really think she's the, the mother of Ikigai and her... Great idea. Yeah, seminal book, Ikigai Needs to Eat Him. And she's, she's not really recognised... Even in Japan now, yeah, she's not like a household name, is she? No, no, no. Yeah, she's not. I, I think partly because now Ikigai is, you know, Ikigai has become a daily life language. So people don't regard a special psychological term or anything. Maybe that's, that's yeah, one big reason, yeah. I see. Yeah, so it would be good to get her some recognition. I mean, she died in 1979, but um, her book's amazing. And yeah. <laughs> very challenging yeah. to read for me. Yeah, you read in Japanese language. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's, that was really hard. So let's touch on her and your your definition. And I think it's, it's funny because I've just said earlier we need to let go of definitions. <laughs> but now <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you for a definition. So how would you describe ikigai? Okay. So ikigai is this. Um, uh, experiential uh, sense that you are living your life, you know, you're living uh, on your uh, mission, that kind of um, yeah, congruent uh, and also coherent uh, sense of uh, yeah, lived experience. I think I would call that as uh, Ikigai. And, uh, you know, when we define words, it often uh, sounds very extravagant, but, you know, Ikigai doesn't have to be extravagant. Ikigai can exist in your daily life, you know, for example, as you you know, Dr. Moki uh, said that Ikigai is everywhere. And uh, it's, I think it's important to, you know, pay attention to your internal experience of daily life. You know, what makes you, you know, um, like spark or what, what makes you feel like, you know, oh, this is inherently joyful, inherently uh, fun. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, Ikigai can be experienced uh, in, you know, uh, daily life. I think this is what really the... the the biggest point about Ikigai is this approach where we can yeah, approach it casually in these small things 
as Ken Moggy mentions, we don't have to make it out to be something big and grand and right, right. almost unattainable, like some sort of uh, one life purpose. And yeah, I mean, just doing something like this, talking to you is a source of icky. I really enjoy my podcast interviews and I, I get to learn so much and connect. So it's, it's these things that make a big difference to our well-being, I think, in that context of daily living. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. And also, you know, coming back to what you said earlier about, you know, the beginner's mind. Um, I practiced beginner's mind uh, in the practice of Zen. And then, uh, you know, through Zen, I have become more able to notice uh, this kind of um, amazing things in my daily life uh, and embrace it. I think that's very important for well-being and, um, you know, just experience, you know, um, just don't take it for granted uh, <laughs> and just experience, you know, great joys in your life. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something I'm trying to practice too, that, uh, yeah, approach, just let it all go, let all the knowledge go and approach things with a beginner mind. And you're right. You're, you're sort of amazed what you rediscover or what you learn. And um, it's, it's a very powerful concept. And I guess it's part Part of it is removing the ego and sort of saying, okay, I think I knew this or I know this, but you know what, I'll, I'll let that go and start, yeah, yeah. start again. That's very true. That's very true. Um, for example, like my personal life, uh, these two years have been very challenging. <laughs> um, yeah, partly because of uh, uh, autism. The two boys uh, wake up um, like every hour, every half an hour and a half uh, through night crying. So, uh, yeah, my wife and I uh, have to, and the only way to calm them down is hold them and stand up, you know, lie down in, in the hole doesn't work. So we have to stand up. So, you know, um, like every, every day, hour and a half. And then, uh, when they get sick, even like tiny touch of cold that gets worse, uh, uh-huh. like, you know, every uh, 40 minutes or something uh, all through night, but, um, connecting to a sense of Ikigai just you know, don't take things for granted and then appreciate uh, what we have uh, really uh, helped me, helped us to get through uh, those <laughs> um, difficulties. Okay, so having having Ikigai in all these small things helps you get through each day, yeah. Yeah, 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 very true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ken, Ken Moggy mentioned that on a video once that Ikigai is very robust because if... Let's say getting a good night's sleep is one ikigai and you don't get that. If you have all these other things in your life that are sources of ikigai, that will help you get through the day. So it could be going for a walk, your, your work, you know, hugging your wife, having a coffee, having a tea, doing a bit of exercise and having a conversation. So Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. You know that uh, in Japanese a word, uh, thank you, is arigato, and arigato is written as a hard to exist uh so yeah we we show appreciation that uh yeah that uh, those things uh have to exist but does exist so let's thank uh for it kind of thing so i think uh, yeah that the mogi's comments around that uh, links to the word arigato uh, oh. thank you how to exist mm. i didn't realize so that's how to exist or hard to exist uh, hard, sorry hard difficult to exist uh ari ari is aru exist and the gatai uh, oh, katai. really? It's a uh, katai. It's hard, uh, difficult. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So hard to exist is arigato. There you go. So I've just learned something. So that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's, yeah. laughs> 
So this this is interesting because it leads into this quote, and I think this is from Dr. Kami Amirkol, and she wrote, and you obviously translated this, when life throws you a challenge, trying to find a deeper meaning instead of avoiding the challenge is a way of ikigai. And I think we will talk about this in depth later, but this, this is something we don't see in the Western literature. Very few books talk about on um, challenge and struggle and overcoming adversity being a source of ikigai. And I think as we'll discuss, it, it probably is one of the greatest sources. Once you overcome something, you have that sense of life satisfaction and growth it is amazing how broad this concept is. We're talking about small things, appreciation, but we're also talking about overcoming challenges. So let's jump into what you wrote about ikigai and, and physical health. What did the research you studied reveal about ikigai and physical health? Yeah, for physical health, uh, having ikigai really helps us to uh, address physiological uh, burden that we experience and then that kind of burden can accumulate uh you know it's almost like you know tiredness or fatigue that can uh, accumulate uh with a stressed mind or non-ikigai mind and that can lead to uh you know various uh, poor uh, health outcomes such as you know card- cardiovascular disease or you know other uh, stress related uh, headaches those kind of things uh so having ikigai um, yeah, can reduce this uh, yeah, burden uh, in in your system, and then therefore uh, reduces likelihood of those uh, negative uh, outcomes. So, is that that burden you talk about? Is that um, allostatic load? Yes, allostatic load. Yes, uh, but I think this word um, doesn't mean uh, anything much to <laughs> um, many many people. <laughs> like like including myself before I learned this word. Uh, so, yeah, so I, yeah, I had to look it up and I, I found a good way to describe it is the wear and tear on the body. Yeah, 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 very, yeah, very accurate. Yeah, that's pretty much so. Okay, so lo- lots of fatigue, stress. Um, if we have Ikigai, it seems to counter that and, and help us deal with those health problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think another thing you discovered is that people who do have Ikigai, they're more likely to engage in things like exercise and, and perhaps healthy habits. Yes, healthy habits. Or, you know, it can be called like a self-care behaviors. Yeah, Ikigai that can lead to those healthy self-care behaviors. It makes sense that, you know, those who feel like live uh, their life uh, feeling, you know, a cohesion, a congruency from their life uh, engage more. You know, they takes care of themselves more uh, and then interacts with others. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, interestingly, those healthy behaviors also lead to uh, better mental health. So it's like a, a positive circle just going around and around. If you if you engage in healthy behavior, or if you have ikigai, you'll engage in healthy behavior. And then if you engage in healthy behavior, you have a better mindset. And if you have a better mindset, <laughs> you probably find more ikigai and then <laughs> you probably do better, th- healthier things. Yeah. Very true, very true. Yeah, 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 very true. And then another term I came across in your paper that you mentioned, and I th- think this, this is a great term, life crafting. What's that? And, yeah, would you like to explain what that is? Of course, yeah. Um, so for one to feel, you know, ikigai, um, there is an element 
uh, that uh, you feel like you are living your life. Uh, that means, you know, that includes uh, your past, your history uh, as well. You know, that's uh, something that, um, you know, this life coherency, life congruency uh, comes from. Yeah. And then this is also um, yeah supported in my career research as well, that those who feel like who are doing uh, their uh, job that they love, in a sense, it's ikigai or hatarakigai, they kind of make sense of uh, their profession, a current profession. Uh, it's so rewarding thinking about their past life crafting aspects. Uh, for example, you know, like, oh, as a child, oh, I used to enjoy this. Yeah, and also in my, you know, college time, I enjoy, or, you know, I really felt it's meaningful, valuable, and I'm doing this. Ah, I can see like coherent theme uh, from my uh, through my life. Uh, that kind of uh, yeah, a coherent story you can create, and then life crafting exercise uh, can help you to create that kind of thread uh, in your life, and then that helps you to be more aware of ikigai. Um, I think uh, it's very important, you know, for for us to feel ikigai. Sometimes, you know, looking back and um, you know how you have come to where you are, and you know uh, celebrate. Uh, you know where you are uh, is uh, yeah very important. So life crafting uh, yeah helps you to be aware of those aspects of life. I see. I think I've discussed this with um, a podcast guest, a Japanese man who lives in Canada, um, Shintaro Kono, and he described something very similar, and he called it um, hokose, uh, life directionality, and yeah, you reflect on the past and you have this open-minded approach to how it relates to you now and you you might be able to make new meanings of the past Mm -hmm. but you also have um, clear goals for the future and yeah that that inspired me to suggest an exercise with my students where a lot of coaches have a vision board and it's it's really only focused on the future and I said, why don't we make an ikigai board where you, you have things from your past, your present and future on this board? So it could be, you know, postcards or letters or certificates or photos of your past, things you're working on now and things what you want in the future. Mm-hmm. And it can be quite a powerful experience when you go back and you look through old photos or you look through old letters and you, yeah, it really brings those things back to life. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can imagine that. Uh, that's a very yeah, helpful exercise. Um, and, then, you know, we need that. You know, like um, it's important, yes, to look at the vision, but at the same time, you know, remembering, revisiting, those you know ikigai moments or, or you know um, maybe resourceful moments in your life and then feeling that uh because you know you need to feel confident you need to feel doable you need to feel that you are capable in order to go to that vision mm. um sometimes you know like if if your boss shows a vision of your team and you feel so depressed or you feel so not confident uh you won't take actions toward it you need to feel you know you can do it you need to feel that the vision is valuable. And to do that, visiting those ikigai moments is very helpful. Yeah, I guess it's recognizing of your, your capabilities and you realize, oh, I'm, I'm capable of more. I just don't 
recognize it because I'm <laughs> so focused on the future or I'm so focused on uh, negative things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, sometimes I'm like I I'm a uh, psychotherapist and I see clients regularly, and then um, um, yeah, sometimes you know it's hard for them to remember those times internally. Like, you know, if I ask them questions and yeah, I mean, having conversation really helps, but, but in their daily life, for example, you know, if I give them homework of, you know, revisit uh, your Ikigai time of your life, uh, sometimes it's hard because, you know, they are distracted in their uh, daily life and there are lots of external uh, stimulus, you know, in their life and uh, with, with depressed mind, they interpret depressed way. Uh, so sometimes it's good to have external object that can anchor uh, you to that time. Uh, for example, you know, if you have uh, who really uh, is uh, caring for you or really uh, potential, your potential, um, then you can put the picture of that person on your desk, something external, then that can trigger uh, your uh, experience. Experience. Um, and um, yeah, I, I know one example where, uh, you know, at the baseball player Ichiro Suzuki. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, one time, like Ichiro uh, wasn't playing well. Uh, this was when he was in, in the States. He wasn't playing well in that year. Uh, okay. And then yeah, his wife saw, like, he's so distressed, like, his breathing is different at home. And then normally he doesn't talk about baseball at home, but uh, he was only thinking about baseball. Uh, at dinner table all the time. Then his wife brought a picture of uh, uh, Mr. Ogi. Ogi is the guy who recognized Ichiro's potential and he started wow. to use Ichiro very actively. Then, you know, Ichiro blooms uh, like in the third year of his professional career. So Ichiro saw this picture, then remembered those probably Ikigai time of his life. Then that day he hit like four or three hits in the game. Then he recovered. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he achieved uh, like tenth uh, year of uh, two hundred hits uh, per year, something like that. But uh, that's a good example, you know, that um, ikigai moment. Sometimes, you know, if your mind is not there, hard to remember. Uh, but you know, having object is then useful uh, to uh, bring back uh, to the memory. So yeah. So I guess there are all my other the triggers, and well done to Ichiro's wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Well. yeah, very good job. Yeah. So, so I guess we're leading into psychological well-being here, and, and Ikigai has this strong connection to psychological well-being. And, and through uh, Dr. Kami Miko's book, I discovered, or she writes about, there are seven Ikigai needs in her book, um, Ikigai Nitsuite. And in your paper, you have this great quote from American psychologist Ronald Miller, in relation to unmet needs, and the quote is, a need is the lack of something experienced as essential to the purpose of life. It expresses itself as suffering. If the person is aware of the existence of a way to stop suffering, the need expresses itself as a desire. So I thought that was really interesting and then it reminded me of yoku and of course Kamiya's seven needs so can you talk about unmet needs and their significance for the desire of meaning i guess for ikigai yeah so uh, this um yeah word uh yoku is uh, written as but yo is need 
and the Q is ask for. So yeah, it's an interesting word to write in the context of ikigai, and then this implies that you know as because ikigai is a lived sense, experiential sense, that when uh, it's not met, you feel it. You feel it as uh, you know message in your system that something uh, is off, and then yeah, that experience uh, yeah is is a very important uh, for. Uh, us to uh, live uh, at uh, you know good uh, mental health level. I mean, like for example, um, that uh, in my research I explore these people's motivation, and then talk about you know intrinsic motivation and extrinsic yeah motivation and the intrinsic nature is more about you know quality of experience that you feel that by doing that behavior that itself is a reward for you. You feel that uh, you know fun and satisfied. Uh, just by doing that behavior, so you feel like you know it's already paid off through that experience. Mm. Sorry, the paid off word is a very extrinsic uh, word, but uh, to make message clear to uh, different audience. Uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, extrinsic motivation is about uh, you know you do that behavior in order to get external extrinsic means that you know like a fame or money or money. Uh, status. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I feel that the part of ikigai can be well explained by this difference. That ikigai is more about you know, internal quality of life that you feel, you know, that uh, quality of life is there, not you know, external presentations of uh, money or fame. And then my research over and over uh, reports that adults who live uh, with intrinsic uh, motivation uh, has better mental health and less shame and a better ethical judgment uh, compared to uh, extrinsic uh, motivation. Then what can make it difficult for us is that um, extrinsic motivation can be addictive and it can be instant. Mm. I see. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, for, for example, like um, I've been uh, interviewed uh, at BBC about uh, suicides at the reality TV show. And then, yeah, I think this can be explained. This can be explained by motivation theory that uh, those people, like you know, uh, not celebrities before, but they got uh, extrinsic. Uh, you know, they want to be famous. They, they want this extrinsic reward, and the TV can give them to you like instantly, like one or two days. You, know, you became popular on, on TV, and then people watch it, and the extrinsic motivation accumulates so high. But the, what? This type of you know reality TV show wants to do is that to collapse their fame and next day with the humiliation. Uh, that's what uh, unfortunately people enjoy. Their mental balance really breaks. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, just to interrupt. That's a good point. It's it's it is unfortunate that we enjoy watching the destruction of someone. That's terrible. Really, that really mm. is terrible, and we we enjoy that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this kind of instant, instant noodle uh, pleasure, <laughs> uh, maybe you know, the hitting our extrinsic need, like you know, viewers' extrinsic need as well. Then you know that uh, the person was very happy to have this extrinsic power, very fragile, but they don't know uh, of fame. And the next day, what they do is that they, you know break this completely, then humiliate them, and the viewers enjoy it. Then they lose a balance of mind, and then they commit suicide. Uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, extrinsic motivation, extrinsic rewards uh, can make you happy instantly and then, you know, can work for a day or so. Uh, and then it's, 
it becomes addictive. Uh, once you get it, you want more and more and more. But uh, the consequences are high. Like, you know, if, if you look at professional football or professional sports, you know, these athletes used to play for free and for fun uh, when they are like, you know, uh, 10 years old. And, uh, you know, when they become 20 years old, you know, they are paid for $1 million. And their extrinsic need became so high. And next year, they say, okay, we can't pay $1 million, but we can pay half a million dollars. Would you play? And they say, no, I feel so depressed, uh, kind of thing. But, you know, they played for free 10 years ago. <laughs> what yeah. happened? It's just that, uh, yeah, extrinsic, yeah, extrinsic need was stimulated. And then they are addicted. And then they lost balance of mind. Uh, so, yeah, from motivational sense as well, that uh, linking to Ikigai really helps us to stay focused on this intrinsic part. I think you've shared a valuable life lesson that we, we should seek things of intrinsic value and we should be cautious that anything that's extrinsic is limited. And yeah, as you said, it, it might happen quickly, but it won't bring us these, I guess it won't bring us the things we're truly seeking. So if we're truly seeking a sense of satisfaction or life meaning or that we can find our place in the world, um, money, fame, um, have a very, seem like they have, yeah, this instant high, (laughs) but um, (laughs) seem to come with quite a few problems. But unfortunately where the media is pushing us for these for these things to be successful to have a lot of money to and um, social media too is an interesting one it, it certainly has some positive aspects but at the same time if you're worried about people you don't even know whether or not they're liking or sharing a photo that's <laughs> <laughs> a bit um, it's cause for concern I think yeah yeah. But I, one aspect we touched on earlier, and this kind of relates to what we're talking about, I, I think, is resilience. And mm. you write, experiences of Ikigai are experienced more vividly when individuals are undergoing some form of crisis or are facing complex challenges in their lives. And, yeah, as I mentioned before, I don't think our audience would know this. And, but I think intuitively or from life experience, they probably would know this after, after overcoming some challenge yeah. or some crisis, um, we understand something about ourselves or we learn something about ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So can you share some knowledge about that? Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, this is uh, where that, uh, I feel that Ikigai is uh, fit with um, existential positive psychology. It's uh, yeah, also regarded as second wave of positive psychology that recognizes meaning uh, in life's suffering. And uh, yeah, resilience is also you know, bouncing back uh, from some uh, difficulties. And Ikigai uh, is also that uh, finding meaning. And then this, yes, it's, it's very uh, good to talk about after you know, we just talked about this intrinsic, extrinsic type of uh, motivation that, uh, you know, if you are obsessed with extrinsic uh, presentations, extrinsic uh, instruments, uh, it makes it difficult to digest or appreciate life's difficulties because to them, it's just loss. You know, it's just uh, going back. Yeah, they're losing something. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, 
if uh, yeah, one sees the uh, meaning or intrinsic nature of experience, uh, more like ikigai, uh, yeah, they can appreciate that change. Probably, you know, these people may not see it as a problem, as uh, you know, something that uh, you know, some learning experience or some yeah, different path. That's where that ikigai and resilience comes across uh, each other. That uh, resilience is also this, you know, uh, ability to bounce back from difficulties. And then for those who live with ikigai, can appreciate meaning, find meaning uh, in uh, life's uh, difficulties. So yeah, uh, that's where uh, we uh, talked about in that section. Yeah. And do you think a part of it is when we do overcome a challenge that we we discover our potential or we discover who we are? Because you know these, I guess, challenges. They're not a daily thing. They might only happen, you know, once a year or uh, some challenges might only happen once or twice, a, a very hard mm-hmm. challenge in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes you choose your challenges and you say, right, I, I want to achieve this, but you, you might learn that achieving the, achieving the goal wasn't, wasn't what made you happy or satisfied. It was the journey and overcoming um, challenges and, and what you learned from it. So it seems like we, we gain a sense of life satisfaction, but we also discover our potential and we learn something about ourselves that we didn't know existed only through some sort of hardship. That's very true. That's very true. You know, like uh, there are many life difficulties in life. And um, yeah, I think um, uh, that cannot be ignored when we talk about good mental health. You know, good mental health uh, doesn't mean that you are always happy, always positive. Yeah, uh, life uh, comes with uh, difficulties. So that recognizing that and um, yeah, seeing value in it uh, is, is very uh, realistic. Actually, on my, my previous podcast, my guest talked about Morita therapy. Ah. That, yeah, with, um, you know, with happiness, they're suffering. And, yeah, and another word I learned was um, arugamama and that if we have these emotions and mm, mm. if we try to control them or if we're living these emotions and reliving them, it's a very sort of negative, unhealthy way to to process experiences and you've just, almost got to let the emotions go, they'll fade, and it's the action you take that's important. And so there is this um, overemphasis of happiness, maybe in the West, mm. and it, it seems to be now related to extrinsic um, things and we'll be happy once we are famous, once we have money, once we have a house, once we have a new car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... It's sort of the wrong message. Um, to sort of wrap things up, in your paper you state that ikigai is a complex concept owing to its experiential nature, which cannot be understood without lived experience. And that really made sense to me. We need life experience to understand, I guess, what our ikigai sources are and what brings mm-hmm. us life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And it's almost that idea of knowledge if you don't action knowledge really isn't very useful we need to experience life very true very true that's a very very important part that uh, living experience now 
uh, is uh, very important. And then um, along with gem, gem practice, I also uh, trained in Gestalt therapy, for example. And, you know, oh, okay. in Gestalt therapy, yeah, in Gestalt, you know, we talk about, you know, products of the change that uh, you try to change yourself to achieve something, to go there and go, go to point B from point A. And that kind of desperate attempts stops you from moving from A to B. And in Gestalt uh, framework, they say, you know, I can live now. Uh, and then that may be the quickest way to go to B, mm. to where you are, wherever you want to go. Um, uh, and that really, uh, yeah, taught me to practice uh, living now. Uh, and it you know, doesn't mean, you know, I don't have any goals. I mean, I do have goals, but still, um, you know, many people, uh, including uh, myself before, uh, maybe so obsessed with goals and the future and I forget to live now. That creates this distress. It's almost like living without Ikigai, you know, uh, embracing Ikigai uh, life. And um, I think uh, my my um, kind of personal philosophy, uh, maybe it's also linked to Ikigai, is that uh, live now as if you know, now is the happiest time of your life. You know, like now maybe, now maybe, you know, now maybe the happiest time of your life. Um, and, uh, you know, live now with that doubt. Uh, that, I mean, personally helped me to go through those, you know, uh, waking up 3 a.m. and crying, <laughs> you know, crying baby and walking around. And then uh, maybe, you know, I mean, in 10 years, I look back at this point and I, I may feel, oh, that was difficult, but that's still very happy time uh, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think um, yeah, talking about experience recognizing the value of now you know uh, is uh, yeah very important yeah yeah that that reminds me of ken moggy's his five pillar framework and and one of them is being in the here and now and um sort of savoring sensory pleasure we we have all these moments to enjoy pleasure and if yeah as you say if we're fixated on the future and we're worried about our goals <laughs> and i actually i've got to tell you i have found a video of you I think you shared a video you were I think you were teaching online you were standing up <laughs> holding one of your babies sort of gently swaying but you looked like you were in a state of flow you really were you were teaching you were engaged with your audience and you're holding your baby moving back and forth and I thought wow <laughs> look, look at Yasuhiro go he's he's, <laughs> he's holding his baby but you know, teaching this amazing class. So um, you seemed really happy <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, yeah. Those, those good ones. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the next step for you, Yasu, with um, your Ikigai research? You state or you note on the paper that currently there is no published empirical research exploring the presence of Ikigai in Western populations. So do you want to do some sort of study on a Western population? Oh, yes, indeed, yes. Um, and then probably, you know, make it most effective, uh, that intervention uh, study to see, you know, uh, one, for example, you know, one uh, Ikigai intervention, you know, will, you know, whether that will enhance other aspects of uh, uh, psychological factors, such as you know, mental, mental health, well-being, uh, or life satisfaction. Uh, kind of thing is is a very helpful exercise, and then you know moreover that if uh, we can compare that with uh, Japanese you know participants going through the same uh, intervention, 
and what kind of difference uh, you know uh, they have, or you know um, results may be completely the same. That that's also uh, helpful as well. Uh, but yeah, this uh, ikigai needs to be explored uh, more, and I believe that it's worthwhile to explore to suggest a new way to achieve uh, you know good mental health or counter uh, mental health challenges. So do I. So I look forward to what you discover. But we should really focus on the now and and talk about your book. So you, you said you're currently working on a book cover. Yes. Yes. So you've got a designer working on that. Yes. Yes. Now, now yeah, we have a couple of choices, and then yeah, we are we choosing which might which one maybe <laughs> most appropriate uh, for this book. So I mean that uh, content-wise, uh, it's already there. Uh, so yes. Yeah, soon- and so it's obviously going to be published this year? Yeah, this year, yeah, very soon, yeah. And are you doing uh, any sort of book launch or <laughs> online book launch? <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, we should, we should probably do it. Yeah, we, we haven't had a, a clear plan for it. Uh, now what we have is, a, sorry, very, very um, uh, practical <laughs> matters, but uh, yeah, uh, that the book review will be published. Um, that there is a person who loves Ikigai and who wants to write a book review uh, about his book. So, yeah, uh, she is already working on it. And, um, yeah, that's decided uh, by a book launch. Um, yeah, we don't have a specific idea, but I think we should probably do it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll help you with that. So we could do a an interview or I'll definitely promote it to my list and we'll put it on my website. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, any way I can help, please, please let me know. Thank you very much. And, yeah, please uh, please give my regards to Dean as well. Of course, I will, yeah. And actually, just before we finish up, um, I'd, I'd love to have you back on the podcast because you your field of study includes another interesting Japanese concept, which is gaining popularity, and that is Shinrin Yoku, which translates yes. to forest bathing. And I think you're studying how that impacts mental health. Yes. And if it could be almost like a therapy. So yes. I'd love to, love to have you back on for that. So let's do that. Thank you very much. Yeah, Shishin Yoku is another Japanese word that's uh, often now discussed in the global uh, literature. Uh, and then, yes, now, and particularly, you know, my, uh, my, my interest is how that helps our mental health. Uh, and um, yeah, um, now I'm writing a book chapter. Uh, this is published through uh, American Psychiatric Association uh, about you know how that uh, helps, and also advice for clinicians. You know how can incorporate this practice into their uh, traditional clinical uh, practice. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 going to be probably widely read uh, as well. So yeah. Very uh, enjoying uh, ikigai, ikigaiing, uh, writing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You've uh, you've got this incredible culture, and you're this incredible ambassador for your country, sharing all this knowledge. And I really appreciated your time. And um, you're probably going to get back to helping your wife. So please thank your wife too for giving <laughs> you this time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So much, uh, Nick, uh, for uh, this opportunity. I enjoyed uh, talking with you. Thank you. So did I. Thank you, Yasu. This episode was brought to you by the Find Your Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, 
The Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. To learn more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com.